are back. <laughs> All right. Amber, can you do us a... Do you a solid? Do me a solid and pull us a card for today's podcast. Yes. So advice on how to move forward, how to approach the conversation, how to head in the right direction so that everybody feels comfortable and good and ready to share and that we get some takeaways by the end of it. I think that's great because we have a little heavy one today, guys. <laughs> okay, so we pulled the four of wands reverse today. And just the quick intro of it would be the four of wands reverse can indicate that you are celebrating the achievement of a personal goal. For example, quitting smoking or doing yoga for 30 days in a row. You do not feel compelled to proclaim this achievement to others, instead choosing to create your own special reward for the hard work you put in. You may also be in the midst of your journey and yet to reach the finish line, hence preferring to honor this mini milestone privately. When you finally do arrive at the finish line, it'll be worth celebrating with friends and family. Love that. Kind of fits with what we got going on today. Well, welcome to the Journey to Connect, the podcast where we explore the challenges and joys of connecting with others and with ourselves. I'm Felicia, and I'm here with my co-host, Amber. Hey, everyone. We're excited to have you join us today. Today, we're going to have a special guest, Marquise, who is talking about his experience with the mother wound. Marquise, thank you for joining us today. Of course, of course. I just want to say um, how important it is to have these conversations and bring awareness to have to having these conversations. Um, I'm going to approach these questions with sensitivity and respect for your boundaries. So anytime, if you don't want to get into something, just say next question or I'll pass. Um, can you just start by telling us a bit about yourself and your background and all that good stuff? Uh, as I said, my name is Marquise. I'm 28. Right now I'm working as an electrician. Uh, just basically doing everything I can to make sure I take care of my son is my main focus at this point. No, how old is your baby? Uh, he's three. Oh, yeah. I have a two-year-old, and she's a handful, so. Yes, they are. <laughs> He's a little mature, a little two, three-year-old, though. Yeah. Sort of. All right. So what, let's get in it, right? That's what we're here for. So, Keys, you go by Keys, right? Yeah. Keys. Okay, Keys, let's start talking about the relationship with, with your mom. Um, How would you describe it? Non-existent to an extent. Um. I, I did try. I did try to uh, recreate it, but with the uh, with a twenty two year gap, that does make things a little hard. Um, and her not understanding that she is not my mom in my eyes at this moment is her biggest issue. So, I mean, I'm sure for any mom, just to for me as a mom, hearing you say that their son doesn't feel like their mom is their mom at this moment. Can you kind of elaborate some more? Because that's a little painful even just to hear from me. Well, to be technical, um, even while she wasn't really there, um, she did at one point lose her parental rights. So at that point, that's where it's like to me, if you actually lose your rights from the government, I'm like, you okay. literally lost your rights to be a mother. So legally, that's, that's crazy. I didn't even know they had something like that. So what happened for her to lose her rights as a parent? I don't really know the details, but I do know when I was about five or six, uh, I was taken away from her, uh, put in foster care. And um, 
You don't um, know why you went to plastic surgery? I think uh, not the details. I just know I woke up one morning. My brother woke me up. He uh, told me to just stay in my room, chill out, don't say or do anything. But, you know, me, I was like, oh, what's going on? So I ran and ran. I heard banging going on in her room. Her and my stepdad, they were fighting. She yelling. She was like, yo. She yelled out to my brother, call the cops, call the cops. And at that point, I didn't really know what was going on. And when they got there, next thing you know, they took both of them to jail and they took us. How old were you? Like five, six, maybe five, probably like five, six. How old was your brother? He was like 14, maybe. Oh, wow. Maybe four, 13, 14. Okay. Amber, I know that you um, also were in the foster care system um, too. How old were you when you when you went? Yeah, I was taken away at eight years old. So I was with my biological family until then. No father ever in the picture. Mom had two other kids before me, so I was the baby. Uh, but my mom was uh, definitely in the beginning, somewhat normal. I don't really have those memories of her though. At three years old for me is when she started getting heavy into drugs. <clears throat> she was previously an LPN working as a nurse, trying to get her life together from what I understood. Um, had a, had bad relationships, tended to uh, jump into whatever lifestyle said boyfriend was doing. So at the time she happened to be really totally in love with this guy that was doing pills. Uh, and because she worked at the, uh, hospital, she had access to doctors, prescriptions, pads and things. So anyway, so she would get prescriptions, they would do pills. And, and I think that's how her drug addiction started, or at least the out of control portion of it. Um, soon after that, obviously she got arrested, went to prison. She started neglecting us. We'd be home for months without electricity or food or anything. Um, and my older sister typically always got taken away and she was able to live at our grandparents' house and stuff, but they didn't have space for myself and my other sister who was five years older than I. <clears throat> so yeah, so they took me away at eight years old, um, after just severe neglect. She, like I said, she'd be gone. And, and I also, how it got flagged is I was in second grade and I only went to school 12 days out of the entire school year because I skip school every day. Cause I'm like, if my sister doesn't have to go to school and nobody's making us go to school, why the fuck am I going to school? <laughs> so, uh, I was a little wild child and was always running around outside doing all kinds of crazy shit every day. But so they eventually caught up to us and, uh, did the investigation and all that jazz. And came to my house with, um, social workers and police officers. And we can get into that story if you want later, but yeah, that's how it essentially happened. So you brought up a good point that it was flagged. So what was the reason why you got taken away at that moment? Was there things that happened prior? I know that you're five to have to kind of go back and think about that, but, um, um, I was definitely taken away from her multiple times. Hmm. Uh, Me too. Three different times. You look at that, like that moment in your life where it's like, oh, pop into reality. Mm -hmm. Like that first visual memory. My memory was me reaching out for my mom crying. I think I was, I don't know, three. Oh, that's a good place to start for child healing. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, yeah, I was like three. They took us and we were staying at, it was me and my brother. We were staying at some lady's house, but there was a bunch of other kids there. And um, I think we were there for maybe a few months. 
And then we would go visit my mom. She was in rehab. So I'm guessing she was definitely on something. Hmm. Not exactly the details. I mean, I know after I read her file, when I got everything, I know there's more to it, but that's later. We'll talk about that later. Okay. Um, but from then it was kind of back and forth with going with her and then she ended up leaving, just disappearing. My brother would take care of me. Like you, I didn't really have a, I didn't have a father. I didn't know who my father was. He knew his, but I didn't know mine. So, um, and that what you said, your stepdad that she was arguing with. Yeah, that, that, that dude. Um, yeah, I don't, I, I, I don't like him, but I respect him. If that makes sense. I don't like him, but I respect him because, uh, even when she, she married him, she, uh, she disappeared on him too. Mm. And she just left, he left us, she left us with him. And um, he took care of y'all for about about a month or so, and then he left and went back to uh, his his uh, other family. But he didn't just leave us with nothing. He left us with money, but uh, still just leaving children alone was yeah. kind of yeah. So he left, and then um, my brother is pretty much the one who took care of me. You know, he raised me. He was constantly making sure I got to school, and if anybody showed up at the door, just like don't answer the door. Just uh, when I get home from school make sure I stay at my friend's house so when he comes to get me he just didn't want to he I guess he understood the system and all that already so but uh we were and you know when they finally caught on they took us to his cousins and we stayed with them for about a year I don't know six months I don't know everything happened so fast right. at least that's what it felt like we stayed with them for about six months um and then my mom got in contact with them and she wanted us back and then we went back to her I was probably with her for about another year before they took us away, but it was still on and off. She would disappear and come back. And then she got to the point where she felt like she couldn't handle uh, her own kids alone. So she called this guy back. And was your mom on drugs at all? Pretty sure that's probably what she was doing. Did she see, like, do you, I know five years old is kind of hard to go back, but do you remember her being when she was there, a present mom? Or no, was she, she was tired all the time. She was mm -hmm. sleeping every day, all day. It was just like, like I was one of those kids, like three, four, five years old. I could leave the house oh, wow. and be gone for hours, just be gone. Like, I can't even imagine like my kid right now being. No, 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 definitely yeah. not. I would never let my son do that. His, no, well, his, that's his, what his I mom. say about like when I say I went to school 12 days out of the whole year when I was in second grade, my son is about to be in second grade. He is seven years old. Like I can't imagine letting my son run the streets like how I was running the streets at seven and before, well before that. It's wild. Yeah. I feel you on a lot of that story. So how long were you in the foster care system? Uh, aged out at 21. I mean, I technically stayed until about, I stayed until 21, but I, I had, they get, they have privileges after until about 24, I think, that you can hold on to. So I decided to sign myself big back in at 18. Okay. Just cause you know, I, you know, I was a child coming into a system, foster care. You don't really, it's, I don't like, there's, there are some people that care, but there's not a lot. So so you've been you were in the foster system until you aged out yeah so wow. i pretty much just grew up in that environment yeah. so how was the environment in that survival mode okay survival constant survival mode uh different households different group homes just having to learn wow. to adjust and adapt and i don't know at some point you kind of just acquire this ability to read people and that's just kind of 
don't know. It just kind of became they as quote unquote they say they called foster kids professional observers. So I just learned to observe every situation instinctively, and that's just kind of how things went. Like even to today, sometimes I'm still doing it. Mm. I try not to. I think about it. I try to just kind of live every day to the fullest. But as a kid, I just couldn't do it because those kids were not. Some of them were. They had problems, and you know, we all had problems. I had anger issues. Right. Um, I learned later that that came from my mom. You know, I didn't realize it, but I guess it's what I felt like I was being neglected. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, twenty-one. You are twenty-eight. Twenty-eight. So that's seven years ago. That's not that long ago. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually curious about your mom and the family that she has. Do you have any access to any of her family members? Do you know no. any of your mom's side of the family? There's uh, I no did, record uh, of them. I did, I did acquire uh, the ancestry. I got in contact with my aunt from her side, which she told me that while my mom was growing up, she got into a lot of stuff. Um, I did also read her file, so I also knew about that. I know it's there, but she uh, she said that pretty much when she had us, she kept us away from our family, so we didn't really have any contact with them. So to me. Even though she's my blood aunt, she's still just a stranger, you know. Sure. And, uh, yeah, I just wondered if she had any insight into your mom's life and how she even got into the positions that she did. I don't think any person just wants to be a shit mom. I think that at the end of the day, something happened to her in order for her to be so trauma that she thought that what she was doing was fine. You know, so I just wonder, that was a large part of my healing. I used to be super fucking angry at my mom, hated her, couldn't stand her. I saw her at 16. I told her she was trash. And then she died from a crack overdose right afterwards. So um, I did a lot of time being pissed off. I spent a lot of time hating her and blaming her for all of the things. But a lot of my healing came from trying to seek answers. And I didn't have a lot of them. I have one living aunt as well that was able to give me some of those answers. And a lot of it I had to piece together and just decide the perception I wanted to have about the situation. Um, But I know that's that could be really healing. So that's why I'm curious if you have any connection to anybody that would have known her in her life. Well, according to my aunt, when they were all growing up, and my mom was the youngest of like, I don't know, five? Or six, I don't know how many kids, but they there was a point where uh, they my uh, grandma she died, um, her and uh, when she died, she died. My mom was still a child, so and then my grandpa, I think he said he died too, hmm. and uh, they had to take care of her, like teen, her teenage brothers and sisters. They had to all take care of her, and I'm thinking, you know, as she got growing up, she got into some stuff, and that's kind of where they basically were saying, yeah. Yeah. So she didn't have the support of the parental figures to really guide her either and got raised by her siblings. And then the same pattern kind of happened with you, unfortunately, where your brother raised you as well for some time. Right. Interesting. Um, Okay. Uh, How has the foster care uh, system shaped who you are? To be truthful. And I know this sounds tough to say. uh, I, I, I somewhat appreciated it. Um, I mean, there's the there's some knowledge that I definitely missed out on, some information and some tools that I probably could acquire by living and having a parent, like an actual parent there 24-7. But with what I went through, it was like I had to experience everything on my own, which I learned to, I don't know, I just learned to be a better person that way. 
Like I was always one of those good kids. I was very innocent. I didn't really like to do too much or I just was adventurous. I just like to go out and enjoy life. But when I got to foster care, it was more of, I just had to look, sit back and watch. Yeah. You know, a lot of the younger kids, a lot of the older kids, I was around the stuff they would do, the stuff they would show me. And then I would see how people react to it. I'm just like, okay, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do this. Uh, growing up with how my mom was, you know, not being there for me, I was like, you know, I don't want to be like her. I know she did drugs. I don't want to do drugs like that. So I'm like, all right, you know, let me stay away from drugs. You know, you get to like middle school, high school, kids are, oh, smoke, drink. I'm like, I'm good. Yeah, I've been kicked out of multiple parties because of that. <laughs> now I'm out. I left. Yeah, but then you find your real friends, and then you're good. Yeah. So, but it's it shaped me into. I would say it's made me a better man because it's made me learn to be able. Well, it's made me be able to learn from my experiences instead of. I don't know. There's a lot of people who had that uh that safety that safety net I don't I always live with I don't feel like I have that safety net so I don't feel like I can make that that same mistake again I don't want to make that same mistake again so in my mind it's okay let's not you know I did it once I did this now what can I do to make that better so that's I don't know I think mentally that's where I went different I think that's I commend you for doing that I think you and Amber are um pretty amazing to just get out of that system it seems like a lot of people that are in the foster care system kind of tend to you know either go into the other system the justice system usually um, because they don't have that guidance or don't have that um, maternal figures or father figures um, and it's it's really exciting or not exciting but it's really good to see people that have been in the system and then being aware and kind of reparenting themselves and going back and saying I don't want to do this I don't want to, you know, do things that I've seen because I don't want to end up like them. Um, and then you make the change for the better versus, you know, the opposite. And, right. um, and saying that you can and that you will versus just saying, like, I didn't have and I can't. Um, I think that's, that's really good. I remember a mantra I used to tell myself all the time um, when I was growing up is, you know, you're either a survivor or a victim at the end of the day. And I just refuse to be a victim. Like, and so whatever that, the opposite of that was for me, it was like where I went head first, regardless. I just, what I'll say foster care did for me was light that fire in me where I knew like I got me. Nobody else has me. I don't have anybody else to depend on. Nobody else is coming to save me. So I just like put full belief in myself. I still got in toxic relationships, made tons of bad fucking choices, have, you know, hit all the rock bottoms. <laughs> um, but still, it lit a fire of I'm a survivor and I'll continue to survive. And now I'm in a stage where I'm like, I'm not surviving. I'm thriving now. Now it's just next level. Um, but for, for I'll say that foster care definitely gave me that fire. Do you have any positive experiences with your mom at all that you can remember? Or do you have any maternal figures in the time that you were in foster care or even now like do you have any, any positive experiences with my mom i mean every kid has something mm -hmm. like i don't exactly remember it like we were uh we were living in minnesota for a little bit and we uh there was some there was some stuff there we would all like as a family me her and my brother we'd all play in the snow stuff like that you know there's some good memories there mm -hmm. but 
most of the time she just wasn't around. But as like, you know, parenting figures nowadays, I do got one. I do. He was, uh, he's actually one of the people, one of the people that actually helped me get a little bit more adjusted to relying on people outside of, uh, you know, foster care. Okay. He, he, uh, he helped me get my license. Because you know, foster care, you're not allowed to drive or anything until you're like 18, oh, 19. Wow. Yeah, so you weren't allowed to do any of that. Um, so he helped me get my license. He helped me get to school. He helped me, you know, mentally. He would uh, sit down with me and talk to me. He was a good mentor. He he sort of actually became more of like a father figure to me. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, till this day, I still respect him. I always will. And uh, he, you know, I went back to Georgia. You know, that's where. He's at, and uh, you know, he saw my son for the first time, and he was like, "It's like, oh, it's my little, it's my little nephew." I'm like, "Man, you no, you gotta accept your, your, your fifty now, man. You gotta, <laughs> if anything, you're, you're his grandfather. Right. <laughs> like, if anything." But yeah, he, he's a he's a funny man, and I always respect him. Yes. Do you still talk to your brother? No, my brother passed away when I was 15, so I was uh, still in the system. When he passed away, he was actually adopted by his cousins um, when he was about 16. So he was out a lot earlier. Me, I, st- I was in there the whole time. And uh, when I didn't, I, I haven't seen my brother since I was maybe eight. Wow. I was probably the last time I seen him. But, you know, what everyone told me, and this is why I will always love him. Everyone told me, no matter what, he was always looking for me. Your brother would always be talking about mm-hmm. you. And, you know, he was the... Uh, he was like my father figure. He was more than my brother. He was my father figure, you know. Of course. So that's why, you know, what I see about him. I got one of those too. My sister who took care of me that didn't get out of the situation either, um, they separated us right away when I went to foster care. She went to a group home and I went to a foster home. Uh, they did allow me to have visitation with all both of my sisters, though, throughout the whole time in foster care. I do remember that. But um, but we never got to live together again. And she, uh, well, not 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 again, because I will say when I got adopted, then she did come and live with me for a, one year before she got shot in the head and murdered a month after she turned 18 years old. Um, so I also lost my sister and haven't seen her since I was 12. Like-minded, that's all. So have you addressed your, your pain um, from... Being in the foster care, your mom leaving you, um, have you addressed any of that pain or, and how do you work towards healing every day? Uh, to be truthful, I've already told my mom everything I felt and how, what I felt. And I had a conversation with her and everything. And I tried to get her story, but when she talks to me, it's more of, and I know it sounds weird to say, I feel like I'm talking to a child. I don't know. It's like she, she, she doesn't take, she doesn't like she doesn't accept what she's done. She comes up with an excuse or oh I was going through this or I was doing this and this this and this and I'm just like you know like even my some of my cousins on my like my brother's side to this day they don't sometimes they don't even trust me because of stuff that my mom has done to them. You know like I was in an emergency I needed you know to borrow like a hundred dollars for a flight because I missed my flight. They were like worried that I wouldn't be able to do it because they're like, oh, we offered your mom this, this and this. So everyone thinks that I'm her now. Mm. So for me, that affects me like that. So it's like I have to shape my own, I'm trying to shape my own future, my own you know, territory from her in that sense. But, you know, 
coming to terms with everything. I've already told her how I felt. I've expressed how I feel. And I let her know that I'm trying to, I would like to build, you know, something. But at this point, until she comes to recognize the damage she's caused, the trauma. Right. You know, it's like, it's like, you come to me and actually like truly recognize it. Then I just don't, I can't do it. And that sucks because I can't have my, my son can't have his own grandmother in his life because Mm -hmm. of that. And it's, you know. Has she met your son before? Yeah, she met him. He did not like him. He was a little, he was a little baby. It was funny. He didn't want to be around her at all. He didn't want to be around her at all. Like, so he was, um, like he, uh, it was, it was, he would cry if we try to leave her alone, leave him alone with her. And, uh, it was crazy. I, I've never seen him cry that much as a kid. When he was a baby. He never, he never cried unless he was hungry. And, uh, when her, his when uh, his mother's mother came out there, because on her side, she, he was perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. So either to me, my son is sensing some bad energy from her, and I'm wondering if maybe it's because of me, mm-hmm. or yeah. but you know, I'm I'm trying to do things better for him. I want like, you know, I want to make things work. When she calls, she has my number. When she calls, I answer. Um, she didn't even remember it was my birthday though. So it was like stuff like that, you know, small stuff. Hmm. She called and uh, she called me. She texted me last year. Happy birthday. And the year before that. And the year before that. But it was never on the right day. Hmm. So, so yeah, that's what I was like. Yeah, this year she called. She said, happy Easter. And I was like, oh, thank you. That's all she said. Hmm. So the when you guys do speak, is it, do you feel more anger when you guys are having the conversations? It turns into frustration. Okay. Because it's like I try to, I start off, like if I'm coming into something, I always start off with a calm and clear head just so I can kind of understand like the whole story. I like to hear everything. If you're going to, if you're willing to tell me, then I'm going to listen before I like come to my you know decision. But with her, it's still the same, you know, not taking responsibility, yeah, ownership of her own actions or anything like that. So it's like. You know, in order for me to move from that part of the past, I, you know, that's not something you can just get through, like, you know, telling someone something and then going, like, make breaking a promise. It's not like breaking a promise. That's like, you know, me come, I'm your child. You were already promised. I was already promised to you as well. You know, your child, that's a lifetime promise and you've already broke it mm-hmm. by, like, not being there. And not only that, like, there were other people that had to get involved and they legally broke it. So it's like, for me, I see that and it does bother me, but it's not as bothering anymore because it's like, I can't focus too much on that. Like I can try to rebuild it. I can work towards it every day or every time she, we talk, but I have my own kid. I have my own son. You know, I have to be there for him. I have to show him how to be a man. You know, I'm still going, I want him to go through stuff on his own, but at the same time, I don't want him to have to go through everything I had to go through. So have you been to therapy for any of this or how, what do you actually do to to heal besides maybe trying to talk to her how do you heal by yourself i don't really i don't know honestly it's just like like i said growing up in foster care you had to just learn to let things go because for me i've been in so many different places i just had a tendency to any emotion that i've had like i was mad or upset with this person or this kid or bothered by this event that it took place once i left there i completely forgot about it 
But it, this is tough to just forget about. Yeah, I get that. Like well, that. well, for me though, when it's, when I say like forget about it, it's like literally there are times in the day that I forget that I even have a mom. Like that's literally where I'm at. Like I don't even remember I have a mom until someone brings it up. Like I, that's how I feel sometimes. So for me, it's not as bothering. Numbing, stuffing. I wouldn't say because that. it's survival. You ha- that's how you survive. You like you're saying in foster care, you you don't have you don't have the energy or the time to be able to process or focus on your emotions or healing. You have to push them to the side because you are in survival mode. It's not even an option. Uh, and so if if you still are in a place where you're not feeling those emotions, then you are still in survival mode. So at this stage, we have to find some healing techniques or steps in the right direction to start feeling those things so that you can actually heal from them. The only thing I can come to terms with or come up with is the fact that I have to approach it and I have to keep approaching it and mm-hmm. keep approaching because if, like I said, I know you know, you say therapy. I was in therapy, you know, as a foster kid, you're right. required to go to therapy. Okay. Um, I laid on the ground and said nothing. <laughs> the whole time in therapy. <laughs> literally, but I, would, I would literally be sitting in the chair for the sessions for years and I'd just be looking at her. Yeah. And they'd be like, you know, just be looking at her. And the only time I ever participated was the time she let me destroy a computer. Yeah. That, yep. which was, you know, I just did it because. But I think also. It was for anger. I think you were in that headspace, right? Mm-hmm. If you now, today, mm-hmm. as a man with a kid, and I think it might be an okay option to possibly do therapy or like find different type of resources to start that healing path. Sometimes it's hard to connect with other people though, when you have this mother wound where you don't, you have this different type of attachment. It's sometimes hard to be vulnerable and open and connect to somebody about all your deepest, all the things. So if, if that doesn't feel right to you, what I would suggest even just like very simply start journaling or start voice recording, whatever form of communication you like to to yourself, right? So just write all of it about all of it, let all of it out in your poetry, but make a practice of it, right? And then to like whatever comes out on the paper, pull out the positive things that you you find in there and resonate and then pick one thing that you want to focus on that week to embody. So if it's like, you know, I don't know. I, I want to be more courageous. I don't, I'm just pulling something out of my ass. I want to be more courageous. Then you're like, okay, I want to embody that this week. If that's how you want to heal, right? Be more courageous or more open or have a different perspective. I want to have a different perspective today than I've ever had before about my mom. That could be one thing you decide to do this week. Or it could be, I have a totally different perspective about myself and how I show up in my job today. One thing, pick it. And then as intentionally as you can be that whole week, make small shifts to be that person, to be that thing, to to be what resonates with you. Because that doesn't take anybody else. That's all on you, right? That's all what's coming out of you. That's all how you feel. That's what you resonate with and who you want to embody, not what anybody else is telling you to be or do. So I would say start there. Okay. Sorry. I, sometimes I give unsolicited advice. <laughs> Is that something you can have you done? And you said that you just wrote, you write poetry. I write but. poetry. So more so with me, my poetry only comes out when I'm in a, like a specific mood. So I typically, mm-hmm. you know, I don't, I think, to be honest, foster care has numbed a lot of emotions for mm-hmm. me. So a lot of it's like covered up with sarcasm or like Or jokes. talking shit. 
and making people laugh because you say something a little inappropriate. I do it all the time. <laughs> yeah, all the time. Well, it's not all like all the time, but for me, like a lot of the times, what I've always been is I've always been a people person. So for me, mm-hmm. going through foster care wasn't really an issue with interacting with people, or you know, it was like what what it did to me was the ability to continuous commit to a relationship or commit to a particular person. So I was really good with like committing to men or my boy, like my, my boys and all that, you know, I could do that, but it's like, like building bonds with women. It was, you know, I was, I ain't gonna lie. When I was like 10, I, I was, this is like right after I found out about my, uh, my mom lost her parental rights. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't realize it, but I guess now, like, you know, I was fighting the female staff in the group mm. home I was in. Yeah. Mm. Was, you know, a lot of things changed. And then as I got older, you know, little, little, little bit, little bit of information I kept getting from the male, the male staff, you know, respect women. You know, you don't want to hit women. You don't want to cause pain to them. We're, you know, men. So genetically we're stronger majority of the time. Majority. Majority of the time, <laughs> you know. Got to make sure. Just saying, just majority of the time, men are you know genetically a little bit stronger than women. So we have to watch out and be careful and understand that, you know, if you get angry, that your solution is not to attack a woman or do something like that. So or you know, you know, just kind of take time to yourself and figure that out. So at some point, I just started shutting off specific emotions like anger. I only get angry now or frustrated with people I actually care about. Mm-hmm. Because that means I sh- that means I care, so that's why for me on there, uh, I'll get frustrated with anyone. Do you have a relationship with your baby mother? Yeah, yeah, we're yeah. friends. She's like my yeah, she's my friend. Nice. We're really good. We're close. We have a great you know communication, great co-parenting uh, setup. Everything's you know we obviously we have our issues. We argue, you know nothing's perfect, but considering most. Uh, baby mother and baby father situations i definitely say we're definitely not want that good you know top good. percentage you know that's good to hear i have a question what would you say are your biggest challenges being a parent since you didn't have parental figures i find that i struggled with my oldest with being her best friend because my sister raised me so it was like sister relationship way more than it was like mom and daughter and then my two younger ones, I was much older, much more stable, had my shit together, still definitely fucked up plenty. But um, I find that it was just hard to really adjust, like really adjust to having a family and to be the leader of my family, especially because I don't have a mother or a father that innately gave that that framework to me. So what would you say are some of the challenges that you come up with as a parent? Uh I'll be honest. When he, when I found out, and when he was born, I, I didn't, I didn't accept him for mm. a good bit, and it, and I figured it, and I, I mean, I know why, and I, it was just because I didn't know how to love him because I knew that I would always loved him. I'd have to always love him. I, you know, as a parent, you're supposed to love your child because at some point you're gonna understand that this kid is gonna be in your life forever. So, and I didn't know how to love. I had never loved, and to be truthful. You know, when I, I, I when I met my first love, I was actually it was only a couple of years ago. You know, it, it didn't really work out, but we had a we have a really great friendship now. She she was my best friend. And to this day, I still have love for her. So that's how I know that it's something that for me, love is just it was it was an issue. 
Yeah. So that was probably the biggest thing. It was just the acceptance that he was there, accepting that he was mine, accepting that, you know, you know, he's real. Yeah, totally. Where it was kind of like big for me on it, you know. I remember for me when it was just one baby, it was, I was able to love really easily because it was like, wow, I finally, I have family. You're mine. Like, there's nothing you could do about it. You're mine. Like, you're not going to get taken away from me or I'm not going to get taken away from you, whatever. So I remember it being easy in that way. But then when my oldest is 12 years older than my littler ones. Uh, and so then when the, the, the middle one came, I was kind of alone at that point because the oldest was with her dad. And so again, it was super easy, all in, loved the little boy. He was so great and everything. When I got two babies at the same time, it was mind-blowingly hard. Not to take care of them. I can do any job, any task. That stuff is fine. But to em the emotional capacity that I did not have really shocked me, to be honest. I, I remember breaking down and hiding in the bathroom and crying and saying, I, how do people do this? Like, how do you love more than one person at a time or like really pour in this much to this many people at once? And then, you know, to be again, the leader of a family, every, as a mom, they all want you, right? And you got to fucking show up somehow. And I just, I really remember breaking down and saying, how the fuck are you literally supposed to love all of these people? Yeah, that, that is, yeah, that, that, uh, it's hard. I understand. It is hard. I was, I was, I was honestly, I was with someone for five years and I never knew how to say I love you to them. Yeah. yeah. I never, it was literally, it felt like to me, it was like, a, it just felt like another, oh, they would be up and gone in any moment. I, my, I've been with my husband for 14 years now. Um, but he will tell you that I fought him the whole entire time. <laughs> like, I'm just like, I a thousand percent expect that you are walking out the door. You're not like any, every fight, every disagreement, I'm going to throw all the daggers I can because that's my protective, you know, way of doing it. And you're going to leave because somebody always leaves or you always get taken away or whatever. And he just doesn't fucking leave. So, yeah. Still there. Still there. Still kicking. Yeah, they, 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 that, that, that's the shocking thing about it is when they stay. You yeah. Know, they, all the problems and what you've been through and the issues you have. And when they stay, it, may, it makes you feel some type of way. Yeah. It definitely makes you feel different. It's definitely scary territory, but worth the fight uh, when, you, when you do find your tribe, your people. What advice, and I'm speaking to you too, Amber, but... Um, what advice would you give to others who have experienced mother wounds due to a parent's drug addiction um, or just a struggling period with trauma or anything like that? Well, you know, I got plenty to say. So let's start with you. <laughs> uh -uh. Go ahead. I guess sometimes it's just understanding that it's not always their fault. You know, like, you know, it's just got to we got to take a second. And I mean, sometimes you're not old enough or mature enough to see it. But, you know, when you are. You, maybe there's people around you getting, like letting you know about it, but you know you got to be able to look at what they've been through and understand that you know life happens to everyone. Everyone has a life. Everyone's gone through something. Everyone's experienced it. It's just just understanding that it's not their fault. No, I think that's a very good first step. I think the first the first thing, and I think to take that specific thing to the next level is that yeah, like your trauma, your problems, your issues 
sometimes are not always your fault and, and it happened because of circumstances. However, I also think that once you do get to a certain level of um, mental clarity or emotional intelligence, it's important to understand that everybody else's experience with you does not have to shape today or who you're going to be going forward. Legit, you can totally change your life whenever you decide that you want to. Now, when I say that, that doesn't mean it's like, oh, I want to be amazing tomorrow and it just happens. It's fucking hard. It's a lot of actual intentional work, a lot of crying, a lot of anger, a lot of uh, self-realization, responsibility that you're going to take on yourself, the apologies that you want to hear, the expectations you have for others. Like you got to drop all that shit and dive in to you and who you are and start to figure out what that looks like. So if that's through religion, if that's through spirituality, if that's through astrology, if that's through whatever medium it is that, you know, uh, resonates with you and helps you to resonate with being the highest version of yourself, like that's really where the magic's at. Cause it's not really about all that other stuff all that other stuff built you for what's coming. And as much as it hurts and it doesn't feel good, you can use all of that as fuel uh, to be literally whatever you want. Well, Keith, is there anything else that you would like to share or any message you'd like to convey to, to listeners that might be going through some similar things right now? Your future is your own. Like, that's just all I see. It, it is like, I mean, there you're going to run into a lot of, walls you're gonna run into a lot of walls but they're not you know just stay positive that's all i've learned these last honestly these last couple of years just stay positive and understand sometimes you can't make something change right away and when you know you can't make it change right away don't stress about it just keep living every day and focus on something else and try to focus on changing that because at some point whatever you can't change then you can change later yeah so focus on what you can change yeah, basically. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much, Keith, for sharing your story with us today. We appreciate your honesty and vulnerability. Um, for me, it was cool. I don't know if cool is the right word, but <laughs> it was uh, good to have somebody that I understand and that like would understand me as well, because as much as we tell our stories and live in our heads, um, 99.9% .9 of the people out there that we deal with have no idea you know, what our life actually looked like and what it felt like to be foster children and to have to function in this world with no solid foundation for family. So um, I wouldn't say 99%. I'm sure there's plenty of people with, with issues. But in my world, I don't meet a lot of people that come from foster care. So it was nice to uh, have somebody that, that understands that on the show. So thank you. Of course. Yeah, and thank you both. Um, like you said, Amber, for being vulnerable. Um, and sharing your story. A lot of people, I think, are one, afraid to talk about it. Two, I think this journey to connect is a place that people from all over the world can at least find a common ground, a common space to talk about real life shit. Um, and this is definitely a real life issue that happens today um, and keeps happening. So I think one, just having a place to talk about it and feel safe. So thank you guys for sharing and thank you listeners for joining us on Journey to Connect. And we hope that you found this conversation insightful and helpful. And don't forget to subscribe 
to our podcast and follow us on social media for conversations about connecting and healing. Thanks, guys. Love and light. Well, <laughs>